Hello, I'm Derek Doak, and you're listening to the Real Talk Podcast. For over 25 years, I've been serving the investment property industry, from preparing tax returns for property owners when I worked in public accounting, to creating and managing multi-million dollar syndications as a commercial broker. Throughout my career, I have always had a passion for learning and teaching what I have learned to others. This podcast is for commercial property owners and those who provide professional services to owners. My goal is to bring value to you through the sharing of best practices and industry knowledge. Each episode is geared towards providing knowledge and insights around topics and trends affecting property management, asset management, and investment management. Please enjoy this episode, and if I can be of any assistance, please do not hesitate to reach out to me directly at Derek at DokeMail.com. Now, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another Real Estate Investments Insights podcast. I'm your host, Derek Doak, and co-host Jordan Elliott, of course, on the call. And we have a special guest. Uh, the special guest this week, I believe, is one of the top, if not the top, partners I've ever worked with when it comes to analyzing real estate and seeing how it fits in with your family plan and seeing how you can get more cash flow out of your asset. And Scott with Brighton Jones, Scott Grieve, it, and I always get this messed up, Scott. Is it Scott Grieve or Scott Grieve? Yeah, you you do pronounce the E, so it is Grieve. Okay. You know, I've always I, I always wanted to put like an umlaut or something over the second one so I can just go Grieve. You know, I wanted to make it sound even more, but since <laughs> we don't have a big French audience here, we'll go ahead and just stick with the uh, the Grieve side. Um, but uh, Scott is with us from Brighton Jones. He and I worked together, um, and Scott was the mastermind behind putting together a creative way of how to show cash flows from rental properties inside your wealth management plan like they do at Brighton Jones. So uh, Jordan and I asked Scott to participate with us as we talk through succession planning. Um, as many of you know, uh, Jordan and I talked about this quite a bit on succession planning. A lot of our clients are looking at this because believe it or not, some of their family members do not want to take over the assets uh, when the time does come and they pass them all down. So families are considering other options and what could they do with their assets uh, to help defer tax or avoid tax um, and uh, put those assets to work and maximize the cash flow in return. So Scott's joining us with that. Um, I am going to turn it over to Jordan to add anything else on this. I know he always likes to add a few more clar clarifications uh, than my rambling. So Jordan, what do you got? I was just really happy, Derek, that we've uh, you and I offline have been brainstorming about how we can bring more people into these conversations. So I'm thrilled to have Scott with us today because on many occasions we have talked about the importance of commercial real estate clients building a team of advisors. And I think Scott is one of those legs of a stool representing it from his work with Brighton Jones that's really important to how holistically we can best serve our clients. So I'm, I'm excited to dive into the conversation and looking forward for Scott to introduce himself and tell us a little bit about his work. That's great. Well, we, we've, we've teed you up, Scott. So now, you know, now you can't disappoint. I mean, everyone writes out, everyone listening is on pen and needle going, who is this guy? We got to hear what this guy has to say. He's going to, he's going to enlighten us. Oh, great one. Well, big, big shoes to step into. Thank you both. I appreciate that. Uh, so just a quick uh, introduction. I'm the director of real estate over at Brighton Jones. I, I as Derek and Jordan mentioned, I, I really do focus on assisting our clients with strategies on how to handle uh, real estate portfolios, whether that's currently owned or allocation into. So um, there's a lot of work to be done um, getting under the hood and understanding the real estate 
and then you know overlaying a long-term strategy that's tax efficient and um that's uh that's, that's pretty much what i do uh, across the board supporting our advisors across the country on a daily basis yeah that's great well i i know from from my experience of talking with especially you know family offices when they look at putting their teams together and they're looking at their all their holdings a lot of times the real estate doesn't end up being part of the conversation till the tail end. And, uh, and so when we get brought in on the conversations and recently I've had a couple where we're talking about what to do with the asset and their quick go-to is just like, let's just go to a DST. And what I try to talk to them about is get your financial advisor in the conversation and your estate planning attorney in the conversation. So we can understand truly what it is that you want to do with the assets. Um, I'm just curious, Scott, when, I know you guys have a lot of clients that you've been in these meetings. What's kind of the the initial checklist, if you will, or thought process that's going through when they're in there talking about their real estate? If somebody, our audience, again, is individuals that are considering what to do with their portfolio, what kind of things do you think come up in a conversation or should be considered in the conversation? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. And it's um, it's usually a, a, a process where we're, we're, we're slowing the discussion down a little bit in the sense that um, we find that most of our clients come into these conversations with a bias about paying taxes. And that is really driving the strategy. And ultimately, we find that it's making, making the decision um, you know, it's not thought out properly. So... First thing we do is we we stop and we analyze what the client currently owns. So um, we do a deep dive pro forma analysis on a forward looking basis and project how the real estate is slated to perform from both a cash on cash and a return on equity standpoint. And we we really do try to let those numbers drive our conversation and our strategy on a go forward basis. Sometimes it makes sense to continue to hold the property and maybe tweak operational efficiencies and um, and uh, leave it in the portfolio for a long period of time. Uh, oftentimes, things have landed in that direction. Other times, uh, more often than not, we find the property is um, the equity can be better used or perform in a different fashion. So we embark on those conversations and strategies once we uh, once we get uh, clarity from the numbers. Yeah, that's a great point, because one of the things that Jordan and I talked about this last week in our podcast was how many people we talked to that their first instinct is just to sell. And believe it or not, our strategy, and we're on the brokerage side as well as the asset management side, is not to go in and say, sell your assets so we can get a commission. It's, is it going to fit your cash flow strategy on what you want to do? And, uh, and and we try to, as Jordan said last week, so we try to talk you out of selling. We're trying to talk you into, you know, looking at it and saying, can you do better cash flow, outsource the management of it? Can you stop being a landlord and be a property owner and get the cash flow? So, uh, yeah, what you what you say there just totally validates what Jordan was talking about last week. Yeah, Scott, I think uh, one thing I'd be really curious about, and it picks up on what Derek says, is we spend a lot of time trying to define lanes for the team that, uh, uh, you know, usually it's a a family or an individual with a portfolio of properties. And for example, we know that our lane is in that operational efficiency piece that you mentioned, and it's in transacting on commercial real estate. And we absolutely know that our lane is not in tax uh, advice. Now, all we do is we get property tax bills and we pay them. That's the extent to which we are involved in anything tax related. So my, my question for you is like, where is your lane 
that it's just like, this is my highway and this is where I want to be. And then how do you interface with others to make sure that you're getting that client service to a maximal level? Yeah, no, great, great question. So we do have a, a distinct lane. Let me, let me start off by you know, talking about a lane that we don't participate in. We, we do not get transactional with the real estate. We leave that to professionals like yourself that are feet on the ground that can execute a transaction based upon the block by block knowledge of the market and where the valuations are. So we, we don't do that. Where we do, where we do really provide expertise and guidance is in longer term strategies. So think, um, you know, transit large life, um, uh, life level transitions, moving from active ownership of real estate into passive ownership of real estate. We find that as clients age and get into their mid to later 60s, um, they may be very seasoned real estate investors and have enjoyed the ride of building value and net worth in those real estate assets, but they've reached a point in their life where they no longer like the idea of having to make active decisions, whether they're managing the properties themselves or more commonly, they have property and maybe even asset managers for some of our larger um, clients, but they don't like the idea of having to think about it and worry about it. They want to transition over to a truly passive real estate ownership scenario. And when you look at the tax impact critically, it uh, becomes evident that you, you need to really think about that and moving the wealth um, from one bucket to another active to passive. Yeah, I think that, that's that, that's a big one there is that that passive ownership side you know is it truly passive income and uh and i think that's always one of the things that we talk to owners about and they say well i got passive income from my shopping center it's like oh okay how's that passive income working well you know i work i go to the site twice a week i'm dealing with tenants i'm doing this so it's not truly passive and so the the idea is how do you get out of that mindset and you start looking at other options and other other scenarios um Maybe, maybe, uh, and I always think about, I mean, Scott, you and I worked on that one client and it reminds me of the one client we worked on together down in California that had that house they bought in the sixties and they just kept it as a rental. And it was only two blocks off the beach at, in Newport and they, and the house was leaning to the side and, uh, they were getting a couple thousand dollars a month of rental income. And, uh, after paying taxes and everything else, they made like $800 a month. And, uh, you showed them the value of, look, if you went into a DST, here's what you could get. From a cash flow, so you return your equity when the house was worth three and a half million dollars was nothing compared to what you get. And then they were able to do that and diversify there. And he was having some illness on his side. And so he was like, I want to make sure that my wife's taken care of and not having to deal with this rental property. So if there's a way for us to do that, and we're able to hook them up with a great broker down there, they sold the house, they moved the money into uh, their portfolio um, there at uh, Brighton Jones and got a DST. So um, what other kind of examples can you think of that are kind of like that when people look at their portfolio and you guys help coach them into other strategies to get them out from being a landlord and being more of a, you know, passive property owner? Yeah, no, it starts with that, that understanding of what you have and how it's performing. And oftentimes once you do the analysis, you take a critical look at the return on equity. And oftentimes there is a large bucket of equity that's been accumulated over time that the rent just has not kept up with the ability to provide a reasonable return on that amount of equity. 
Um, so what do you do in that circumstance? You can sell and harvest the equity and, and pay 20 plus percent to, to the government, or you can do a 1031 tax deferred exchange into a passively owned vehicle and put that all of that equity to work for you in the form of cash flow. Um, ESTs is, is one path to go, 721 upreads, a more uh, recent player into the tax deferred scene is, a, is another very interesting strategy that allows you to start to um, um, access your real estate equity in a liquid format by selling shares of REIT, uh, uh, private REIT over time. So there are uh, multiple avenues with which to put that equity to work in a passive framework. And once clients truly understand that and look at the numbers associated with the uh, the increased cash flow and the underlying return, it becomes a pretty compelling scenario. One thing, if, if I can turn it a little bit, Derek, uh, you can try to stop me if you want to, but too late. Um, turn the topic a little bit is a lot of what Derek and I, I focus on is um, the core value of doing what's best for clients, um, really meeting them where they are. And Derek gave the great example that, you know, sometimes we advise against transacting real estate, which would seem to be counter to our purposes of our businesses, but it's in the service of what's the client's interest first. Um, along those same lines, we talk a lot about building relationships, maintaining relationships. It's core to our business. I know it is for you too. So I, I'd love to hear a little bit with, you know, how, how do you cultivate those relationships with clients? How do you figure out where they are in family transitions, which on the real estate side that we work on is, is often a, a, you find yourself in the middle of contentious discussions within a given family. And so you have to figure out how you advise and navigate through that. Very curious on that side of your business. That's a great question. And it's a, it's a different lens in the sense that we spend uh, a lot of time getting to know our clients by asking a lot of questions. Um, an example, I was just on a meeting this morning with uh, a set of our long-term clients that own multiple properties down in the San Francisco Bay area and they were sidelined by insurance expenses. We all know insurance is you know, uh, going off the charts with respect to cost of operating investment property. Well, it's really caught them by surprise in the sense that they are being dropped and they have really no direct avenue, reasonable path to getting insurance on these investment properties or commercial. Um, and uh, it, it, it evolved into a question of, what, what is your long-term strategy? They live out of the country. Um, they're trying to manage and maintain properties in the Bay Area with a spiraling expense structure. Um, and what is your long-term strategy? And they paused for a moment and said, gosh, we really don't know. We haven't thought about it. These have just been something we've done all of our life. They provide us with a reasonable amount of income, and we really haven't questioned it or thought too much about it. That just started the kind of the, the process of unwrapping this scenario that's been in place for over 50 years and um, really allowing us to work with them to try to understand it at a different level. You know, what does it look like for the next five, 10, 20 years? And um, we'll, we're going to put numbers to that and we're going to let that drive a lot of our conversation. And then we're going to layer on some intelligent strategies with, with how to options with what how to move forward. Yeah, that's uh, you mentioned insurance, and I'm dealing with that 
uh, we have a mutual client, Scott and I do that. I'm working on same thing, uh, multifamily property and the insurance dropped them. Going to renew, no option on anything. He says, we're no longer going to renew your, your option. So they wouldn't bind the property. And now we got the bank binding, which you know is more expensive. And the bank now every single week is sending a note saying, got your new insurance, got your new insurance. And the insurance companies are saying that it's an older building. It's in West Seattle. And uh, there was a claim a couple of years ago for a broken, uh, basically a burst water tank. And there was a claim that was a small claim relatively to the, the expense. And they're saying it's un uninsurable. I mean, what, do you, what, what are you going to do, right? And so we're scrambling, trying to figure things out. I'm, I'm looking at, do I get a wrapper? Do I try to bring a bunch of clients together and pull a wrapper together and get your own insurance and put them all under one umbrella? Um, but that's a big decision-making um, part of it right now for people who want are going to continue to own. And it's the second family I've worked with in the last three months that's had the exact same thing where they're saying, and they're multifamily properties. Your rents haven't gone up enough to cover the cost of the increase in the taxes and the insurance. Um, and then they just passed or get ready to pass legislation that's going to cap our ability to increase rents with current tenants in the building. Um, I, I don't know. It's it, 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 There's a lot. There's, there's a tsunami coming as it relates to that asset class. Great, great, great way to put it, Derek. That tsunami concept um, is something that we are considering with all of our clients, and especially high-risk markets like California, where insurance is becoming a serious contender to the bottom line NOI, and how is that going to affect future value of these real estate assets in these markets that have been darlings for for this uh, for you know for all the. Uh, in the past 10 years, it's gonna, I think it's going to change valuations. And is there is there a more um, immediate exit strategy to consider with that? I think you're, um, both of those uh, anecdotes and Scott, the one you led with about the properties in the Bay Area, it speaks so much to the idea that one of the services that we provide through our own uh, respective lenses is providing a strategy or helping to cultivate a strategy. Because if you have that overall strategy in terms of what are the goals for a given individual or a family or you know whoever it is, then as you get these curveballs like insurance, which you know the the audience and Derek have certainly heard all of my reflections on commercial property insurance and the uh, incredible increases, uh, not always just completely dropped like you guys are talking about, but the incredible increases which put major strain on the properties. If you have that overall strategy, then you can react. It's like okay, how do we how do we answer this particular issue? given that we know we're trying to get to X location. And I think your story was so well taken, Scott, in the sense that if you've had something that worked for 50 years and it's just been working, it's really hard to step back and look at what should we be doing in the future. But when you start to get expenses that outweigh whatever the potential revenue of that plan was, you really need to step back and think about what that next 50 years is going to look like so you can react accordingly. It's huge. Um, the thing that we're, we're struggling with up in Portland, and I know it's not terribly different in Seattle, unfortunately, is that the downtown office market is so challenged. And the thing that we've been working on with a client that has really been an eye opener is that the strategy for managing an asset through this cycle, and we do believe it's a cycle with office in downtown Portland, is so different from the strategy of preparing an asset for sale that if the client shifts approach in the middle, you're really stuck because these are not strategies that you turn on and off. They're long-term strategies that we can be very effective on one path 
But then when you switch to the other path, you're terribly ineffective. And so that's my current example from, you know, like we all are doing from today's work that, you know, the strategy not only has to be really well considered, but you also have to commit to it and then respond to the adversity within that framework of the strategy, or else you're going to introduce new variables, which you may not be able to overcome in the short term. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you. Oh, oh go ahead, Gary. Okay, I finished. I figured. I figured out technology, the mute button. Um, I was just going to ask Scott. Um, I know you do a lot of planning, and this goes to both you and Jordan. I'd like to get your feedback on this because I've been wrestling with this concept of when do you actually start the succession planning process, right? When, when, when should somebody consider if they're thinking about doing a succession plan with their real estate, at what point in time do they kind of sit down and say, let's start a, a program and put a strategy in place. Kind of what you're saying, Jordan, is once you start down a certain path, you can't get halfway down and then stop it. You kind of have to have a strategy, either you're positioning it to sell and get the maximum amount of money you can out of that asset to go towards something else or you're positioning it to reposition to hold on to and make it be a you know income producing asset or appreciating type of asset that's going to fit for what you and your family decide to do. Um, I'm just curious from both of you, I'll start with you, Scott. When when have you seen like the succession planning starting and when as far as once they have successful plans? Yeah. Um, in my opinion, it's never too late to start planning for legacy with respect to real estate. Let's face it, real estate does not fit easily into legacy plans, especially when you have multiple heirs to deal with. Real estate are big blocks of value and equity that don't divide up easily and don't translate to individual directions that um, heirs may want to go with it. So how do you, how do you uh, efficiently transmit um, large chunks of equity to the next generation. Um, that's a that's a problem, and oftentimes, you know, we don't have immediate and direct answers for our clients, but we do have options for them to consider. Um, so there there are ways that um, you can do that through some of the channels that we talked about earlier with DSTs and 721s. Um, those offer the ability to easily divide real estate equity based upon how it's uh, how plans are set up um, air by air. So I would say that um, we start talking with clients about that as soon as we possibly can. So it's a it's an entry level discussion that we have and, and really try to understand what they're thinking and then work within that context, introducing new ideas and and what is scenarios to them, at least get them thinking about it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Scott. I think that the, the earlier you can start preparing, the better. In fact, I don't think there is a too early uh, in terms of succession planning. We obviously think about it more in terms of the operations of the commercial real estate, because that's, that's our main lane. And I mean, it can be as simple as this, that somebody says to uh, an up-and-comer within the family or within the group of partners, you know what? You can't start in the business. You need to go do something else first and, and do that and then come back. Well, that's succession planning. And that's a really important part of the steps of succession planning is go live your life a little bit and get some experience. Then come talk to me about commercial real estate. But that that's just like, that is succession planning. And the more intentional it can be and the more thoughtful that a group is, the better uh, in our experience. 
Yeah. And I, and I know, uh, Scott, you and I have been in these meetings together with clients, whereas annually you're sitting down and asking them, you know, are you happy with the real estate? Do you have other plans with the real estate? Right. I mean, so it's, it's always been part of the, the Brighton Jones way of having a conversation with clients and incoming clients, um, to really understand what that asset class means to them. Cause sometimes it's not about the financial aspect of it. It's just that, you know, dad likes to go there and you know, scrape gum off the sidewalk in front of the Starbucks door. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's part of, you know, and living a richer life, right? I mean, that's what we always did at Brighton Jones was showing people that there's more to it than just the money. Um, now I'm getting my Brighton Jones hat back on. So I'll pass that over to Scott and let him do the Brighton Jones hat. Yeah. So um, it's interesting. You would, you do get that emotional connection every once in a while where the real estate needs to stay the way it is. But uh, more often than not, it's people have just, it's been the way it's been. It's been working. The wheel's been going around. Let it keep going around. I don't really need to think about this. We've got our processes in place. We've got our income expectations in place. Um, and just kind of, you know, don't fix something that ain't broke um, is really the mentality that we see with a lot of people. But once they realize how the property is um, performing, underperforming, and what the legacy challenges are in estate transitions with real estate, um, the eyes open up and the the reflection starts and the light bulbs go on and, and the planning begins. And it's usually it usually takes multiple years to put plans in place, but um, we feel lucky to be able to at least start this and gotten proactive with clients about it. Yeah, that's great. Well, I know uh, I want to get you guys both back to work. Jordan, uh, do you have any other questions that I didn't put on there for Scott? I mean, no, I, I, um, I just really, I appreciate your uh, input, Scott, on this because Derek and I are really happy to go down to our real estate specific rabbit holes and not always have that full representation of other sides of the team that we advocate for. So I've already picked up a couple of things that are really useful just listening to it. And I hope the audience does as well. So no, it's been great. Thanks for the time. Well, yeah. well, you never say such nice things about what I say, Jordan. I mean, so you're always nice to the guests. I feel like I feel like now I'm the like the the uh, the old hat. You know, it's like yeah, he's comfortable. Derek has some okay <laughs> ideas, but uh, you know, every time we have a guest on, it's like, oh my god, this guy's great. But, no, and it's just that the audience knows who the boss is, so it's not even worth mentioning. <laughs> yeah, but, she, but she's she's not on the podcast. So, uh, <laughs> Um, but, uh, but no, Scott, in, in all seriousness, I mean, I, I, I've always enjoyed working with you and, and, uh, in getting your insights because you, you are in our industry, a very calm, uh, level-headed advisor, which I think, uh, you know, Brighton's lucky to have you on there. So, um, keep up the great work and anything we can do to help you is let us know, uh, if somebody wanted to get more information about what Brighton Jones does, or, you know, talk to somebody over there, how would somebody get a hold of, uh, somebody at, uh, Brighton, Scott? Yeah, uh, great question. So I think best way is info at brightonjones.com. And that will go to our marketing team and get you, they'll get you pointed in the right direction based upon the questions. Okay, great. Yeah, and if anybody has any questions um, or you you know you want to direct them right to me, that's fine too. Um, I'll sell them to Scott and I'll sell them to Jordan. So, uh, you know, I, I, I hand over names and questions for, uh, for bribes, usually coffee. Uh, and that works out. But uh, I want to thank everybody again for participating on uh, this episode. And uh, I hope everybody has a great day. And Jordan, Scott, I'll let you guys get back to work. Thank you, Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Care. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you should have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to me directly at Derek at dokemail.com. Again, thanks for listening. And I hope you have a great day. Thank you.